challenging, thought-provoking, insightful. This is the Ninja Pastor with Sunday's God in Country with Dr. Sean. Hosted by nationally known speaker, Reverend Dr. Sean Michael Greener. Not your typical reverend. Dr. Sean is a proud U.S. military veteran, former law enforcement officer, founder of the internationally regarded executive protection team. Through his riveting national speaking, this ninja pastor tells it like it is. This show is biblically and politically engaged in the battle to save our country with a pedal to the metal with this Sunday's edition of Sundays with Dr. Sean. Buckle up. Here's your host, the author of the critically acclaimed book, Excellence Killed the Church, How Mediocrity is Destroying America, Reverend Dr. Sean, the Ninja Pastor, with today's message. Welcome, welcome, welcome to our radio audience all around the world. Thank you so much for joining us. It's an honor to have you. We're honored to come into your home or your car or your workplace or your squad room or your firehouse or your emergency room uh, or your garage or wherever, wherever you might be. I had one uh, one guy tell me he was getting a massage last week. Uh, he goes and gets, uh, gets the uh, therapeutic massage, and he told the massage lady, hey, I listen to this guy. He's called the Ninja Pastor. How about I play him while we, uh, while you do this thing? And and he said she did, and she loved it. And she's. I looked on my thing, and she's a new subscriber. So, so that's cool. Welcome to you. Hey, welcome also to Las Vegas and a great, great friend and brother, Dr. Jeffrey Marangel of Bioenergy Med. We so appreciate uh, what you've done for me, saving my life, and and uh, and just helping me be able to function. And he's out there. Uh, Dr. Marangel is out there speaking to thousands of people, uh, health practitioners, and uh, teaching, trying to teach them what what he knows, and that would take about 100 years because he's he's pretty awesome. We want to say hello to uh, Jerry from Pennsylvania and Craig from upstate New York and and uh, Mr. Alaska. I call him Mr. Alaska. We're so glad to have you uh, there. We actually had someone from uh, Reykjavik, Iceland download last week, which is pretty cool. Um, I mentioned this on my Wednesday audience, and I'm going to mention it here. I'm going to stop talking as much as I can remember about it. By the way, hello to Lewis Delaware. Good to have you. Um, and uh, really wonderful. Yeah, Marangel is awesome. See that? We've got a listener uh, in chat. By the way, chat is open. I don't know how much I'll be able to tap on it today, but um, we have a listener here that's been a pay. Actually, he's the guy who turned me on to Dr. Marangel, so what a blessing. So, uh, but anyway, our special folks in Lewis and Rehoboth and Milton and so many other places all around the country, we're really honored to have you. And uh, if you hear a dog bark, that's my Buckeye. She's at the service. She's my little service dog, so she's going to protect me today. And if you hear her bark, that means she thinks someone's threatening me and she's going to go kill him. Not really. She'll take him a toy and uh, love them. Love them into submission because that's what she does, right? Isn't that right? She's a sweetheart. So... Y'all are missing some, uh, by the way, we always talk about the food. Uh, we don't have as much food, although I look out at the table now and I'm I'm kind of surprised. It's like it, it multiplied. It's right. It's all this all this last second stuff and summer beef sausage for Torah observant people. Good good job on that. And crackers and fruit. And my son made a cake that is just unbelievable. First try at that cake. 
really, really awesome, and uh, everybody's digging it. So we really, really appreciate uh, everybody coming, and we um, we really uh, we're just really blessed. I want to say this: uh, hello to the Kahalen family listening in Minnesota. God bless you. Uh, we're praying for you. We're hard at it again, praying for you. And uh, you know, I know you're in the fight, and, and we're going to be in the fight with you, no matter what. And uh, also, uh, want to say a, pres- a special prayer uh, of thanksgiving and blessing upon. Uh, the Algeo family and the friends of the Algeo family. Uh, there's a candlelight vigil for Katrina. I talked about her last week's message, and you can listen to that at drshawngreener.com, um, theninjapastor.com. Go over to listen. You can see that there and you know what the deal is with Katrina. But um, there's a candlelight vigil for Katrina over there. So Terry, her mom, and several of her uh, super close friends are there. So we're praying for you also. Um, my buddy Eric, I keep praying for him, uh, and uh, also for safe passage back. Um, uh, Mama Lee, as she's known in the SEAL community, uh, the founder and head of America's Mighty Warriors, was just out in the Northeast for the Army-Navy game. And uh, congratulations to my buddy uh, and Ranger Officer Austin on your big win. Uh, you know, we go Navy beat Army, but yesterday Army beat Navy, and that was great was also kind of cool to hear the difference in uh, President-elect Trump uh, coming up on the big screen and the crowd going wild, as opposed to the golf clap they got when Barack Obama was uh, seen at the game. So that's that's pretty interesting and, and, a, and a good thing. But I want to uh, say real quick before we get into the message today, a thank you to all of you who have prayed for uh, my brother, uh, he will be, at, since September 9th, he's been in the hospital, and much of that time was spent on life support. He will be coming home to home health uh, probably tomorrow, I believe. So it's pretty crazy, pretty amazing. So he's got a, lot, got a long way to go, uh, but, he, but he's made a lot of progress. And I have to say the people, it's a free ad for uh, Health South Rehabilitation Hospital in Middletown, Delaware. Absolutely unbelievable, astounding. Also, to select um, critical care hospital in the St. Francis Hospital in Wilmington, Delaware, you guys were amazing. And so we really appreciate uh, the BB Hospital uh, ICU doctors and nurses keeping my brother alive. And uh, really, really something. This is a special, special thing. But he's coming home, so we're we're just very, very blessed. Um, you know, very, very blessed that... Uh, that he's still with us and that he's coming home and we'll be uh, having Christmas dinner at his house, just like we always do. Um, and so anyway, so that's, that's a huge thing, but you know what, that brings me to my message this week. And I have to tell you, you know, that this message this week was quite something uh, to develop and, and uh, because, you know, life brings a lot of disappointments. A lot of disappointments. Hello, by the way, to, I believe this is my nephew, one of my nephews, uh, in the United States Marine Corps, uh, parts unknown, and him and his crew listening, and, and so we're glad to have you come back safe to us. Um, but a lot of, you know, a lot of times life is disappointing. Uh, things happen in life that we just can't make heads or tails of. We really can't. We just can't make heads or tails of it. It's we're going along and everything's fine, and then all of a sudden, you know, either some, either I'm going to be fair on this. Either 
something happens to us, something very disappointing and painful happens to us, something life-changing happens to us, or we do something stupid, and the cost of that's very high. I'm in that. I'm in both of those groups, really, believe it or not. I mean, to to be just real uh, honest with you, uh, April 12, 2012, at 618, 617 and 59 seconds, I was fine, happy as uh, could be, not a care in the world, driving my big old Suburban, all excited. I was going to protect Tim Tebow and Newt Gingrich. I'd protected Gingrich before, but first time protecting uh, Tim Tebow, and I was really excited about that. Uh, my son and my daughter were also very excited about that. My daughter and my son offered to help me on the job that day. My daughter for entirely different reasons than my son, but uh, the fact of the matter is, is is that was quite a day. In an instant, my, li- my whole life changed. It, it just dramatically and irrevocably changed. Now, that wasn't something I did. Driver was going 109 miles per hour, hit the median, hit me head on. I had one one hundredth of a second reaction time. And uh, he had slowed to 92 miles per hour when he hit me. I was going 51. I went from 51 miles per hour to zero in seven feet. As you might imagine, I bent the steering wheel, even with the deployment of the airbag. I bent the steering wheel with my chin. Uh, It was a a game changer. Everything changed that day. And that was a disappointment because so many new things came into my life then, so many new struggles. Everything was a struggle. Eating was a struggle. My my son uh, had to cut my food for me. And. Um, into little tiny bites and watch me so I didn't choke and uh, people had to feed me in little bits. It was very stressful, uh, my family, and uh, it was just very, very difficult. Uh, people have to take on different roles. Colleen took on a whole different role. She took on uh, a lot of burden on her. Uh, Doyle and Lily, Doyle was here. He was my primary caregiver. Uh, that's a lot. And plus, he was on crutches for a big part of that. He just had his second major surgery and uh, had a really uh, severe leg injury. And uh, so suffice it to say, it affected everybody, right? In fact, the whole trajectory of my life became 100% disabled in, a, in an instant. But that's not something I did, right? I was just driving. I was in the right-hand lane, 51 miles per hour, no big deal. And then wham, through somebody else's actions. A very disappointing thing happened in my life. But, you know, if I'm being fair, I can't lament that too much. Why? Because I've done lots of things that, A, I either got away with, or so I thought, didn't get detected, didn't get caught, didn't miss, didn't that, or the bad consequence that that should have come to me didn't. I was shown grace and mercy. And so that being said, There are lots of times where I didn't get what was coming to me. But some people, they do think they drink too much. They drink, you know, excessively for for years and years and years, and it ruins their life. Maybe they overeat for years and years and years, and it ruins their life. Maybe they they do things that are just unhealthy for them, and, and it comes to them. You know, I think of the Algeo family, you know, Katrina was the the young lady, 23 years old. She took such good care of me uh, post-crash and the orthodontic stuff that had to be done. For three years, she took care of me. I knew that young lady for for three years, every six weeks. Spent an hour with her every six weeks. Really, really a sweet girl. And uh, little did I know, she she was addicted to heroin. 
Addicted to heroin. Oh, by the way, uh, this Wednesday show, while I'm thinking of it, talking about things that won't disappoint you, this Wednesday show, you have to tune into that. I say that uh, very frequently, but this Wednesday show, you have to turn in, tune in on the Collision of Faith and Politics because on this Wednesday show, we're so privileged to have Dave Perkins, super wise guy, uh, dear friend of mine. I'm so honored to have him as my friend, and we're going to talk about the truth about the phrase or the the uh, the words pro-life, the idea of pro-life. We're going to talk about what abortion really is and what pro-life really means, and we're going to really break it down. He's done some uh, amazing writing on that issue, and so I asked him today, would you be willing to come on the show and talk about that? So he's going to, and then we also have a great privilege of after Dave, we're going to have Mitchell from South Africa. Uh, come on. Mitch from South Africa is going to come on and he's going to talk about something that, you know, in the news is a really big deal now. Sex trafficking. Uh, really, really big deal. And Mitch uh, has studied for years, uh, specifically China. China is really the center of human trafficking and sex trafficking. Yeah, it's really a a tragic thing, but in the United States, it's a big deal. Number one place in the country for it uh, right now is Las Vegas, Nevada, and and Nevada, around that area, but also the port and all this. So you're going to be stunned. He sent me some YouTube videos that he's done and some different things that he's done, and I was really shocked. And I said, yeah, i got to have this guy on to talk about this. It's not what I normally talk about on the show, but, hey, this has long-reaching implications. And, and it, it is it's going to be kind of a rough subject, so if you have young kids listening, but maybe, you know what, maybe you have your kids listening, especially your young girls. You know, young girls are being taken at an alarming rate. It's really uh, something, something, something uh, I, I just didn't, I can't even wrap my arms around. But, you know, that's, a, you know, life, how many have ever had a disappointment in your life that was huge? What a huge disappointment. I talked to several people this week who they thought they were fine. They go to the doctor. They got a nagging cough. They're thinking it's this nasty cough going around. Turns out they have stage four lung cancer. Turns out they have non-Hodgkin's lymphoma. Turns out their cancer is back. Turns out they have ovarian cancer and have less than six months, to six to 12 months to live. Turns out their kid they thought was just had a had a cold and then they get rushed via ambulance or helicopter or whatever to the children's hospital and they've got pneumonia and they're touch and go you know life's disappointments they can be lots of different things but i think what i want to hone in tonight is more a sense of dealing with the disappointment because you know I I don't think I think I could probably be helpful uh helping you avoid some level of disappointments in your life I said you know to a, a friend you know you can avoid a lot of things that are coming if you if you watch out for the things and avoid the things that are obvious you can avoid them you say look I don't want you look here's what we know about heroin right my friend and I talk about this all the time we know there's nobody on this planet really that in, in a developed society that doesn't know, tell you what, let's do. Let's try this thing called heroin. It's inexpensive. It's easy. Let's just do that because I hear it's awesome. Well, actually, you don't hear it's awesome. You hear that first high is awesome, and then you're chasing the, the dragon 
for the rest of your life. And I have a great example of that, or a sad example, really and truly. Kid that worked for us, right? You know, we saw this kid working at the golf course near where we live, and we were blown away by his personality, and he was a hustler, and doing good, and, you know, engaging, and he was articulate with the customers, and he just stood head and shoulders. One, he was really tall, and two, he stood head and shoulders above in the way that he did what he did among his contemporaries. And and I said, hey, do you like what you do here? He goes, man, I like golf, but I'm not making any money and not learning anything, really, so what you got? And so I hired him, trained him, come work at my company, and uh, he did pretty well off and on here and there. But, you know, I always felt like, well, there's something really stopping this guy. There's something really, really stopping this guy from being and doing what he should be and be doing. Well, I just found out. Now, this is years ago, right? This is how many years ago? A lot of years. He worked for me for two years, and then he wor- he was gone for a little bit, and then he came back and worked for me a little bit, and I had to fire him. And I felt bad about that because you love the kid, you know? He- yeah, seven or eight years ago, I guess it was. And so then he moved away. Uh, and to get away from something, I didn't know what that something was. Turns out it was a drug addiction, which made all the sense in the world. My goodness, the kid was a smart kid. He was likable. He wanted to do well, but he was addicted to drugs, heroin and prescription drugs. He, well, we didn't know. We knew something, but we didn't know it. What a disappointment. Then he got himself clean, right? He gets down. I'm not going to say where, where he went, but he gets to a place gets a great job, is at the top, you know, his dream job, really, selling, um, what are those things called, uh, recreational vehicles, like dirt bikes and motorcycles and uh, UTVs, the four-wheelers, the three-wheelers, the boats, the little mini boats, the uh, wave runners, whatever they're called. You name it, if it was fun, he sold it, and he killed doing it. Well, doing all right, and he... Finds this nice girl, starts dating her. She's like from a really good family. She's a beautiful girl. Got all her stuff together, man. She's always made the right choices in her life. And he happened to have his stuff together just at the right time. And they get together, and then, well, she gets pregnant. They have this beautiful, amazing little baby, baby boy, adorable baby boy. And he's got it all, man. He's got a great job. He's got a great house. Great, beautiful wife. Comes from a great family. He's killing it. And then for whatever reason, he goes back to heroin. He gets back on heroin and prescription drugs, and he gets caught. And how he gets caught is he gets caught stealing, because that's how it works with heroin and drugs. You uh, Eventually, the money you have is not enough, and so you get caught stealing. And that's exactly what happened. He stole from everybody, stole from his friends, stole from his family. Stole from his job, stole from everybody. And this is the last kid in the world you would ever envision doing something wrong like that. Well, first he lost his wife and his kids. He had two kids now, two beautiful children, beautiful wife, beautiful home, gone. The wife goes back and moves in with the parents, and that's it. You're not seeing the kids anymore. He goes to jail, gets his life together again, relapses into heroin. And everything falls apart. Now he's getting ready to go to jail. And it's it's ironic, right? Because $2,000 separates him from freedom and bondage. But I would submit to you it's not the money. Because if he had $2,000 bail, he wouldn't have to be going to jail. He'll be in jail at least for four months. And when he goes to jail, he's going to lose the job he has. 
they don't have to come out and start all over again now being an ex-con. The matter is, is the issue is not money. The disappointment doesn't come from not enough money. It very rarely ever does. It, never, it almost never comes from not enough money. Our disappointments in life don't come from not – look, we don't have what we want in our life because we don't have enough money. It's almost never the money. And in his case, it was a series of really, really terrible choices. A lot of life's disappointments. A lot of life's disappointments. I wish him well. Uh, he, he's a guy who loves Jesus. He wants to follow hard after God. He wants to do the right thing, stay on the right path. But he's going to go through a rough time. And we're going to talk a little bit about how to deal with that. But but I want to ask you a really important question. Have you have you ever actually thought, as you're sitting there, and usually this stuff happens when you're alone and you're in your house or wherever, you know, maybe maybe uh, listen. I I got a message from a homeless via email that listens to the show, goes to I'm not going to say the name of the coffee shop, but goes to the place and uses their internet connection and listens on his phone. And he's homeless. He lives under a bridge. And he goes and he listens. Do you know what that did for me this week? I was like, wow. Sends me this beautiful message. I think I told you. All the messages. This week was the week for sending me encouraging messages. And I got messages. By the way, I want to say to the Booker family down in Memphis, Tennessee, my goodness. I know David Booker. He's going. Mm. And the Hollingsworth family, so close with them. And, and dear Mrs. Hollingsworth is just really sad and beyond anything. Uh, he he is about to be removed from life support, and uh, he is going to go home to be with the Lord. And that is an incredibly tough decision to make, my goodness. I can't imagine. Memphis Police Department, uh member of the Memphis Police Department, and i got to tell you, there are a few places rougher to be a police officer than Memphis, Tennessee. But he did it. He had a great attitude. Uh, I've known him for many, many years back when I lived in Millington, Tennessee, and, and uh, I'm just very sad about this. Boy, that's a disappointment. That's an example of one of those things, you know, you didn't do it. You didn't do anything. You're just, here you are, you know. Here you are. You know, I, I had a sister-in-law. I'll just share this with you. You know, you talk about life's disappointments. I had a sister-in-law, Paula. And she went sledding with her son, my nephew, and goes sledding with her son, I think it was on uh, Thanksgiving many years ago, right? She says, well, I was out in the snow sledding. You know, I didn't, was unbundled. I got wet and, you know, whatever. And uh, so then I got a little sniffle, then the next day, a little worse, and then it's in my chest, and then all of a sudden she's calling the doctor, then she's getting antibiotics, and that doesn't work. And then after a week, she goes goes to the doctor again, and the doctor says, you know, you just we'll just try a different uh, antibiotic, and then tries that, and becomes so sick that literally she calls the doctor, and this is exactly what she said. She said, Dr. So-and-so, I literally feel like I'm dying. Please help me. And then she goes to the emergency room. Uh, big hospital, big, you know, one of the top five hospitals in the United States, goes there, and within a day or so, she is uh, on life support. A few days after that, she gets uh, this, uh, I don't know what it's called, uh, critical care unit transfer, mobile critical care unit. She gets, goes down to Johns Hopkins. She spends two weeks there, and then she dies, 40-some years old. Otherwise, healthy person, a germ as common as dirt. She just happened to have that one weakness, that one micro weakness. And it got in and it, and it killed her. Changed everything, right? My nephew, 
16 years old. I'm the one that had to walk in and tell him, hey, your mom's gone. Life's disappointment. Sometimes, boy, they could be tough. And then you find yourself in a corner, a dark corner, sometimes at night in your, your home, your apartment, wherever. And you just ask yourself, I never thought my life would be like this. I never thought it would be like this. I never thought this is how it would be. What happens when life terribly disappoints you? And I, I'm just going to tell you in this message, if you're listening, uh, I am not going to, um, I'm not going to sugarcoat anything, but it just might be, the news might be better than you even realize. There's some people that are in deep, dark despair because of what's happened or what they've done with their life. And I think today's the day that you're going you're, you're gonna to get some answers to it, some simple tools. It's all you need is some simple tools. So I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to read you a passage from Romans, the book of Romans 12. Um, I exhort you, therefore, brothers, in view of God's mercies, to offer yourselves as a sacrifice, living and set apart for God. This will please him, and it is the logical temple worship for you. In other words, do not let yourselves be conformed. Man, don't forget that. Don't forget that. Do not let yourself be conformed to the standards of olam hazeh. I'll tell you what that means in a little bit. I'll tell you now. It's the world. It's Hebrew for the world. Secular world. Instead, keep letting yourselves be transformed by the renewing of your minds. Keep letting. Well, we do it one time? Do we do it one time? How about my friend? My friend that is now getting ready to go to jail, you say, well, he renewed it, but he didn't keep renewing it. Right? Some folks have a problem with food. You fall down, you get up. Right? Or do you just turn and look back and say, you know what, I'm tired of this. I'm just surrendering. You have a problem with some sort of addiction, hurt a habit or hang it. You say, you know what, I'm tired of messing with it. I'm just going to give up. I'm just giving up. I'm tired of it. Tired of messing with it. Scripture says, instead, keep letting yourselves be transformed. What's the first thing you have to transform? You have to transform your mind. You have to renew your mind, renewing of your mind, so that you will know what God wants and will agree that what he wants is good, satisfying, and able to succeed. For I am telling every single one of you, through the grace that has been given to me, not to have exaggerated ideas about your own importance. And that's where some of us get jammed up, right? Some of us, I get humbled all the time. People keep me humble. Everywhere I go, people seem to think it's their their uh, fruit of the Spirit is to keep me humble. And it's working. It's working. Don't have an exaggerated idea about your own importance. That, you know, sometimes you get a little full of yourself. Some people do. The old saying, pride goes before the fall. Instead, develop a sober estimate of yourself based on the standard which God has given to each of you, namely, trust. For just as there are many parts that compose one body, but the parts don't all have the same function. So there are many of us, and in union with the Messiah, we comprise one body. With each of us belonging to the others, but we have gifts that differ, and which are meant to be used according to the grace that has been given to us. If your gift is properly used to the extent of your trust, if it is serving, use it to serve. Man, that's one people skip over, right? They wish that some of go ahead and take that out of the Bible. Can you go ahead and take that line? Who has got the Sharpie? We'll Sharpie that right out. Right? Most people don't want to serve, but they miss the blessing. 
somebody goes to the pastor and says, what can I do? I want to help the church out in any way I can. The pastor says, you know what will really help us? We need somebody to run the vacuum, run the sweeper. So we always say, run the sweeper. I got, if you could just run the sweeper, tell you what, bathrooms are getting kind of smelly. Would you mind running in there and kind of hitting those urinals and toilets for us? We sure need somebody to do that. Man, if you'd be willing, that'd be awesome. Oh, I got the arthritis. I got the sciatica. I got the this. I got the that. All of a sudden, it's I got the, and I can't do that. But if you have something more fun or more showy, aren't sure like to do that. A lot of people, man, there's a lot of people with the gift of serving in our congregation, in our kehala, isn't there? There's a whole lot of serving people. So if it is to, if it is serving, use it to serve. If you're a teacher, use your gift in teaching. You know what? If you're a person that's good at teaching people things and you're not teaching, you're not going to be blessed because you're not using that gift that you've been given. And that's an awful, awful difficult thing to challenge. If you're a counselor, use your gift to comfort and exhort. If you are someone who gives, do it simply and generously. Listen, some people in this world have been blessed with a lot of stuff, a lot of wealth. My friend uh, Mark Herr is one of the founders of Center for Self-Governance. So we're privileged to spend a few days with him. And uh, as you know, I'm really involved with the Center for Self-Governance. And we're looking for some people who've been blessed financially to to, to kind of help the mission and, and, and what they do and what we do. Center for Self-Governance, nobody's paid. Nobody does it for free. In fact, it's, a lot of times they use their own money. They do. And, and uh, it's it's really run on a shoestring, but it is the secret sauce. Hashtag secret sauce. So maybe maybe you you could be a great blessing by by uh, this ministry. You know we run it on a shoestring. We run it with our own money and the gracious uh, and, and kind donations of people in our Kehala and some folks that listen on the radio. So kind of you to hit that donate button on the ninjapastor.com. So maybe that's your gift. But if you're in a position of leadership, lead. With diligence and zeal. Won't it be cool to have a leader in this country again come January 20th? Man, isn't that something? Lead with diligence and zeal. If you are one who does acts of mercy, do them cheerfully. I'm I'm just going to say this. Man, there's nothing better than a person with a merciful, kind, loving heart. Somebody that reaches out. By the way, our prayers go out to the Savior family. Boy, we miss you. Enjoy your family gathering. We can't wait to be back with you in your in your lovely home up in, in Newark, Delaware. But man, you know, there's some people. I I tell you, they're the most cheerful. Deanie Dillatouch, lady lady, I was privileged to know. She was just the most cheerful person, and she had all kinds of things. People thought, "Wow, you're rich. You you uh you got it made. You have an airstrip at your house." You know, at the end of her life, she ended up living on her son's property in an old, old, old beat-up trailer because they lost everything. She lent a tool, electric tool, special trimmer tool, to, uh, she used to raise champion roses. And, and she lent it to somebody, and they cut it. They tried to hide the cut in the cord. She was trimming her roses one day, got electrocuted, and almost lost her leg and almost lost her life. And that led down a, a path of years of horrible medical bills that they didn't have medical insurance and lost everything, lost everything. But boy, talk about a, a gift of mercy. 
Acts of mercy, do them cheerfully. Don't let love be a mere outward show. Verse 9, do you ever hear that before from somebody? Oh, we just love so-and-so. Then so-and-so gets sick and you don't go see so-and-so. You, you don't go see. You don't go see so-and-so. You don't go minister to so-and-so. You don't. You just say, hey, you know what? My dog wants to preach. She's anointed. She wants to hear the preaching. So, poor sweet thing. She doesn't usually get to hear me preach. She does get to hear me on Wednesdays. (laughs) She's going to try to get up in my lap for sure. She is up in my lap. The things the radio audience doesn't get to see. She's all right. She's not bothering me. She's goofy, but she's not bothering me. Talk about mercy. She has a gift of mercy and sweetness and service and love and cookies and treats. That's what she has. She has. A, she gets to get all that. So the scripture says, don't let love be a mere outward showing. Do you know people that they, you know, oh, I just love you. But they don't. Comes tough times, they don't. They don't. Well, we had people prove to us that they loved us after my crash, didn't they? Well, they proved it. They really proved it. They 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 blessed us immensely. They they came. I'll tell you who really did. Uh, so many, so many did, and I, I hate to name one, but the Summers, the Walmacks, my goodness, those people blessed us, seemed like every day, in ways that they never asked for any sort of accolade or acknowledgement. In fact, that they're listening down in Florida, is it? Down in Florida right now, you know, thank you so much, thank you so much, thank you so much, my goodness, would come and bring meals for days, you know. Weeks, and just drop it off and say, got to go. What do you need? Go get prescriptions, whatever, whatever you need, and they do it. Gift of love. Doesn't have to be a lot of words in your love. Doesn't have to be a lot of words. Love each other. Uh, Recoil from what is evil and cling to what is good. Love each other devotedly and with brotherly love and set examples for each other and showing respect. Don't be lazy. when. Let me just say this about respect. I wasn't going to, but I will. Don't be lazy. When it comes to showing respect for your friends, for your family, for your spouse, for your love wife, for your love husband, for your for your whoever, show respect for each other. Don't let that lapse. Just because you can talk to somebody a certain way doesn't mean you should talk to somebody a certain way. Got to show respect. Don't be lazy when hard work is needed, but serve the Lord with spiritual fervor and rejoice in your hope. Be patient in your troubles and continue steadfastly in prayer. Boy, this dog, she's trying to find a comfortable spot in my lap. It's not working out because, you know, she's not a lap dog. You got to get down there and love bug. And and maybe cut back on the food a little bit, a little heavy. You're a sweet girl. That's my good girl. Rejoice in your hope. Rejoice in your hope. Now, hang on a second. Let me go back a second. It says, don't be lazy when hard work is needed, but serve the Lord with spiritual fervor. Have have you ever seen anybody you saw they were serving halfway? Anybody? They were serving halfway. They had hoped for so much more, and the gift, you remember the, the bathroom incident and the vacuum incident? 
they'd hope that you would give them something like, we want you to greet the church on Sunday up on the stage. Uh, somebody in chat has, uh, in fact, from Canada, great country of Canada, has just asked, uh, are we going to have a Christmas special? Yes, we are. Uh, Christmas Day is on Sunday, so I will be doing a thing. We'll have our, right? Uh, oh, wait, no, 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 we won't. I will do a special for Christmas, but it won't be live. Or maybe I do it earlier in the day, I don't know. But uh, we'll be uh, with the family up there in um at Mount Hope, so that's where we'll be on Sunday. That'll be fun with uh, Beth and Dave and Grandma Ann and Lily and who knows else going to show up, right? We don't even know. It'll be fun, though. It'll be a lot of fun. Rejoice in your hope. Be patient in your troubles and continue steadfastly in prayer. Share what you have with God's people and practice hospitality. That's what we do in our Kehala, isn't it? Isn't this a, have you ever been part of a group like this? that loves each other and cares for one another and misses each other when we're not together. We have we have so many that were sick last week and are sick this week. You know that nasty mess that's going around? By the way, hello to Miss Gloria and Miss Charlotte and uh, so many others. Uh, poor Gloria was sick as could be, but she came last week because she didn't want to miss. She left out of there. Boy, it was tough. Uh, yes, I will do. I will do some sort of Christmas special. I'll set it to air on Christmas Day, uh, but I it probably won't be live. I don't know how I'll fit that in, but we'll see. We'll figure something out. I know the, typing it in uh, in chat. It's I get like that sometimes. I keep it in the wrong letter. You guys know on your smartphone sometimes you're trying to type something, and your uh, cell phone company thinks they know better what you're saying. My goodness. Sometimes you know the stuff that they substitute it for. You better watch out. Better proofread. Patient in your trouble. Rejoice in your hope. Be patient in your troubles. Man, there's something about patience in your troubles. There's an element of humility that comes from being patient with your troubles. It's sometimes you think, there's no way God wants me to be patient in my troubles. Shouldn't I be sick of my troubles so much that I say, hey, I want to get out of here. My brother, you know, they didn't, they said, hey, you know what? We're not going to do that for you. You're going to have to do that for yourself. We'll help you the first few times, but you're going to have to, yeah, you know what you're going to have to do? You're going to have to eat real food. We can put this tube in your stomach. We can put this back in your stomach and feed you, but you know what? That's as good as that is. It's not food. You're going to have to eat. I don't care that you don't want to eat. You still got to eat. Oh, you want to get up? Go to the restroom? Tell you what, let's do. Come on, let's let's walk. Here's your walker. We're gonna help you up. Take a few steps. We'll do a few. Rest a little bit. Do a few. Rest. But you you better not be happy being here because this isn't where you're gonna live. Sometimes we have to not like our circumstances. Sometimes we have to we have to say, hey, I'm tired of my circumstances. But sometimes the circumstance is a long journey, and we have to be patient in our troubles. And continue steadfastly in prayer. Share what you have with God's people and practice hospitality. You ever have somebody come over to your house? There's a comedian by the name of Sebastian Maniscalco, and he talks about how in an Italian family, how in Chicago, Italian, Chicago Italian family, when somebody comes over, you know, there's always those entenmans that are very, very nice, fancy. And, you know, you don't eat those. You're instructed in the family. You don't eat those. You kids, you don't touch this. This is for company when somebody comes over. 
And then when somebody comes over, you know, back in the day, you didn't call. You just came over. Oh, look at here. We have people, you know. And then you have this nice thing. You serve your best stuff. And that was just a real thing. Not like that anymore, sadly. You know, better call first, you know. And uh, But I have to tell you, some folks, uh, they're not the most hospitable people. You ever be somebody's house and they don't even offer you a glass of water? You get the feeling really quick. You get the feeling really quick, hey, you know what? I don't think they want me here. Now, some folks, you don't offer them a glass of water because you hope they're so thirsty they go down the street and drink out of some neighbor's hose, you know, because you don't want them at your house any longer because they're a pain in the rear. But it tells us that we're supposed to share what we have with God's people and practice hospitality. So there you have it. i got to ask you, have you ever played Bible trivia? Have you ever played Bible trivia? I've played Bible trivia twice in my life, the first and the last time. One time, a very long time ago, I, I was on a team with the headmaster of my I, – I went to a little tiny Christian school for some time, and his name was a pastor, Robert Latour, really transformational person in my life. He was really an early, um, an early influence, just a really strong influence in my life. Well, I was on his team. I thought I hit the jackpot. Pastor Bob Latour just graduated from seminary, young. Loves Jesus, loves the Bible, great man of God. I got this in the back. We're going to win this Bible drill or Bible trivia game. We took a drubbing. We didn't just get beat. We got killed. And look, I'm just going to tell you right now, this may be a shock to you, but I'm not a good loser. I'm gracious on the outside, but on the inside, I'm gritting my teeth. And I tell people it's because I haven't had much experience at losing. But the fact of the matter is, whether I've had much practice at it or not, I hate to lose. Some people are afraid to admit that, you know. Church folk, a lot of times, they pretend like they're much more humble and, oh, no, it doesn't matter. I just want to be part of the team. But in reality, they go home and they kick their dog when they're mad and everything. That's not how I am. I don't do that. I don't throw golf clubs or anything. But after this Bible trivia game, one of the people I admire most in the world at that time, Mr. Bob Latour, he comes up to me and he taught me a very important lesson about life I'll never forget. He said, Sean, you can't win even if you win. Boy, that's depressing, isn't it? At first, I was depressed. I said, my goodness, tell me something happy. What, you tell me there's no Santa? There's no Santa? You know, what's next? So he says, you can't win even if you win. And I said, I just kind of did one of these spaces where I kind of looked down. I said, oh, man, this is getting bad. I don't win. And then he tells me, you can't win even if you win. He said, if you're with me and you win, they'll say it's, because I'm, it's only because I'm a pastor. You only want because I'm a pastor, because I'm on your team, I'm a pastor. And if you lose, they'll really rub it in, which they did. And you know what? He was right and never paid Bible trivia again. I thought my team should have won because Mr. Latour was one of the best Christians I knew. And, and he just graduated from seminary, and he was always toting his Bible. He had all this writing in his Bible. Uh, the guy was always quoting verses, never had to look them up. Whenever he was teaching or preaching, he would always spout these verses off all over the place, never look them up. I said, Man, we got this in the bag. And I was super disappointed in our loss. It was a disappointment. Granted, it's not a huge thing in life, but it was where I learned this lesson. And in retrospect, I see that I entered the game with unrealistic expectations. I thought they were realistic, but they really weren't. My teacher, Mr. Bob Latour, great Bible student, he paid close attention to everything. All the details, even so, it was unrealistic to expect that we would have an edge on the team that we played. 
And it's likely no surprise to you, I'm a pretty detail-oriented person. I am. I do like the details. Now, I'm not an administrative detail guy. I'm really not. I like. I don't mind. I like being the leader, run the show, but I don't want to have to remember all the little stuff because I won't remember all the little stuff. Somebody administrative come along and remember all the little I won't remember. Better make a list. The love wife makes a list on paper with a clipboard. You know, that's that's what you do. But I'm a pretty detail-oriented. I, I look, I read scripture. I see the language, the worldview, the culture, the principles, the characteristics, the trends, all of it. And yet, in this Bible trivia game, even back then, I was a kid, but I was really, you know, I didn't have this brain injury then. I didn't even notice some of the details that the writers of this Bible trivia game unleashed. It was like, am I reading the same Bible? Unrealistic expectations. By definition, disappointments occur when reality doesn't match what we expect. I suppose the first question to ask when coping with a disappointment in your life is, were my expectations unrealistic? Like maybe mine were with the Bible trivia game. If my expectations are unrealistic, instead of being disappointed, maybe I should just make the appropriate adjustments. Maybe I make the appropriate adjustments in my hopes and dreams and start all over. Maybe I, to coin a or to uh, quote a Navy phrase, assess, adapt, and overcome. The emissary Shaul, or, or you may know him as the Apostle Paul, well, the emissary, he gives an exhortation to those who need a fresh start in Romans 12. I read the whole package, but or a passage, and read this part of it. He wrote, I urge you, therefore, brethren, by the mercies of your bodies, a living and holy sacrifice, acceptable to God, which is your spiritual service of worship, and do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind, that you may prove what the will of God is, that which is good and acceptable and perfect. Now I want you to notice what what and you and I missed this. I'm detail oriented guy, but I missed this. I literally missed this. The first, I don't know, nine or ten thousand times I read this passage. This is what brings transforming power. It is the renewing of your mind. The phrase renewing of your mind is closely connected to the one that precedes it, which is do not be conformed to this world. The world, the secular world, don't be conformed. Renew your mind. If you're stuck in the gutter of the world, you're never going to be able to renew your mind because your mind is stuck in this place that isn't the place for you. Don't be conformed. Look, to clear the cobwebs out of your mind, you've got to begin by untangling yourself from worldly expectations. Hey, if we're being honest, and if we're using the world's expectations, the world's standards of success, Mother Teresa, Mother Teresa, has been sainted and all this now, abject failure in life. If we use the world standards, she's an abject failure in life. But when we clear away the worldly expectations of wealth, comfort, power, we see no real reason why she or anybody else would ever be disappointed in her life. The world wouldn't brand my Sunday school teachers as a success. Yet these dear ladies of God, some of them with a fourth grade education, they imparted in me a love of Scripture. My mother, according to the world, would not be considered to be a rousing success. She's not wealthy, doesn't have a bunch of fancy stuff, doesn't have a bunch of degrees hanging on the wall. But my mother imparted into me a love of Yeshua, love of Christ that never left me. 
no matter what muddy pit I put myself into. You see, the unhealthy expectations, they don't just come from the world. For some, their faith sets them up for disappointment. We Christians, you know what we're fond of? We're fond of using words like should and ought. Do it all the time. For instance, how many of you have heard or thought that Christians should never, ever, under any circumstances, get divorced? Right? That word should, written often and self-righteously repeated and quoted by the religious Wattweilers all across the Christian community, has no scriptural grounding. Really. In Matthew 5, 31-32, in the New American Standard Bible, Yeshua said, And it was said, Whoever sends his wife away, let him give her a certificate of divorce. But I say to you that everyone who divorces his wife except cause of unchastity makes her commit adultery. And whoever marries a divorced woman commits adultery. Let let that let that sit on, let it simmer on a little bit while I take a drink, a great drink my, my son made for me. <clears throat> Can't beat it. Now. I want you to notice, since you've had plenty of time to think about it, notice that Yeshua gives an exception to the no-divorce rule. And what is that? Unchastity. Christians do get divorced, and some for biblical reasons. According to the researcher George Barna, the ratio of Christians who have been divorced is higher than the percentage of non-Christians. And George Barna's example of almost 4,000 adults, Christians, and these are, these are people who self-identify as Christians, 4,000 Christians led non-Christians in divorce by a margin of three percentage points, 27% to 24%. That was in Rev Magazine. It was in May, uh, the May-June issue in year 2000. Now, the most recent numbers in that type of study that we have, a much larger study, albeit, 2014 numbers, same George Marna, the number of self-identifying Christians divorcing is actually up to 57 Perhaps the number of non-Christians that live together without the benefit of marriage and the number of Christians that find their faith after divorce. Maybe they didn't know. They weren't, they weren't part of the church thing. They didn't, weren't raised up in the church. They never read the Bible, never touched the Bible. They didn't know any of the rules. They didn't know any of that stuff. So maybe they came to faith after divorce. Maybe we should take that into account before we jump to any conclusions about this data. Look, my point in citing the sad and disappointing data is that it is just to say it is unrealistic to believe that you're immune from marriage problems just because you call yourself a Christian. For many believers, now this is what others do, for many believers, their greatest disappointments have to do with the way their children live. Perhaps they've abandoned the faith. Maybe they're living in open sin. You know, your children go to college and they were Christians. They were Bible believers. They loved Jesus. And then in their freshman year, 43% at the beginning of freshman year when they go to state university, 43% start college. They say, yes, I'm a Christian. 43% at the end have questions. They say maybe not. Maybe they've abandoned their faith and maybe now they're living in open sin. We call evil good. Look, if we call evil good and good evil, and very quickly, good becomes evil, and evil becomes good. How far do you have to read in the Scripture to find a disappointed parent? I better look and see what time. Well, we don't have much time. I better hurry up. But you don't have to look far in Scripture to find a disappointed parent. God gave Adam and Eve a couple of boys. Gave them two. What were the names? Cain 
and Abel. That's right. And then what happened? One of them killed the other. Man, it doesn't get worse as a parent than your one kid kills your other parent. Which one was it? I can't remember. I better call my mom. Just kidding. Just kidding. Cain killed Abel because Abel wasn't Abel. Now you see why I lost at Bible trivia. I want you to look with me at Genesis. Look with me at Genesis um, 4, uh, chapter 4, 6 through 12. Then the Lord said to Cain, why are you so angry? And why has your countenance fallen? If you do well, will not your countenance be lifted up? And if you do not do well, sin is crouching at the door and its desire is for you. But you must master it. And Cain told Abel his brother. And it came about when they were in the field that Cain rose up against Abel, his brother, and killed him. Then the Lord said to Cain, where is Abel your brother? And he said, I do not know. Am I my brother's keeper? And he said, what have you done? The voice of your brother's blood is crying to me from the ground. And now you are cursed from the ground, which has opened its mouth to receive your brother's blood from your hand. When you cultivate the ground, it shall no longer yield its strength to you. You shall be a vagrant and a wanderer of the earth. Now, isn't it something? Isn't it something that even the first family on earth was so dysfunctional? That ought to make some of you feel better. Think about the way Eve's nest was emptied. One son was evicted for killing the other. What was that first night like for Eve? The one son is dead and the other's been evicted by God. What was it like to try to go to sleep knowing that one son was in the grave and not knowing where the other one was? Eve would never hold the grandchildren that Cain would give to her or the grandchildren that Abel would have. One son was dead. The other was banished from the presence of the Lord. What would happen to him? How would he survive? God made a promise when he banished. I want you to know this. Don't miss this. God made a promise when he banished Cain. Let me read it to you. So the Lord said to him, Therefore, whoever kills Cain, vengeance will be taken upon him sevenfold. And the Lord appointed a sign for Cain, lest anyone finding him should slay him. That's Genesis 4.15. God put a mark on Cain, even though what he did was terrible. He put a mark on Cain, and he protected him. But protected him from who? Well, who else was on earth at the time? His family, Cain's own family. The future expectation for Eve's family was violent. You know, we began on this earth with unrealistic expectations because in our humanness, we listened to the lie of the great liar. We fell for the lie that God was holding back on us, and the first family here on earth was being held back on by God, the serpent said. serpent convinced Adam and Eve that the tree contained knowledge and power that God himself was withholding from us. They chose to easily and quickly be convinced by the world, Olam Hazeh, that God was not fully providing for them, even though everything they had was only from God. And you know what? We do that too. The fact is God still provided protection over Cain, even from his own family. And it is some comfort to know that God watches over us and watches over our children even when we can. Well, this is what we do. Sometimes our disappointments come because of unrealistic expectations or the, the actions of others. Sometimes they come as a result of our own sinfulness. How about King David, right? King David, my goodness, he suffered endlessly because of his sin with Bathsheba. And it affected most of his other relationships in his life and tarnished his otherwise extraordinary legacy. But what did he do about it? He cried out to the Lord. Hide thy face from my sins and blot out all 
my iniquities. Create in me a clean heart, O God, and renew a steadfast spirit within me. Do not cast me away from thy presence, and do not take thy Holy Spirit from me. Restore to me the joy of thy salvation, and sustain me with a willing heart. That's Psalm 51.9. Look, if you discover the root of your disappointment comes from your own sinfulness, do like David did. Number one, you've got to own it. Don't hide any part of the truth, no matter what. No matter what the cost, no matter who you think you'll lose by telling the truth, tell the truth. Every part of it. Confess it. This is number two. Confess it. No matter how painful and embarrassing it is, confess it fully. Don't hold something back. Tell it all. Every bit. Take the risk and tell it. Then you've got a number three. Crucify it. After you totally confront the truth, the painful truth, you've got to crucify it. Then and only then, this is number four, you must leave your hurts, your habits, and your hang-ups at the foot of the cross. And then what do you do? You turn around and you walk away. Once and for all, walk away and do not look back. I've got to ask you, where is your life map coming from? Where is your life map coming from? How do you decide what you're doing in your life? I guess another way to ask this question is this. Whose expectations are you trying to meet? For some, it's one or both parents, and maybe your parents are jacked up. Maybe one parent is an alcoholic, the other parent is, is mentally incompetent. Maybe both of them were mean. Joel's bobbing his head, amen, amen. Maybe they were mean. Maybe they were drunk all the time. Maybe they're yelling all the time. For others, it could be a high school teacher that did you wrong, did the wrong thing, led you down the wrong way, and started you on a path. Or maybe it was the coach that did the wrong thing, told you things that just simply weren't. For still others, it could be their own dream of an unrealistic and idealized future. We call it, or I call it, the white picket fence ideation. Why not rewrite your, we're coming up to Christmas. We're coming up to a new year, 2017. Rewrite your life map with new expectations. Start with a clean slate. Whether the source of your disappointments are unrealistic expectations, maybe something someone else did, or maybe it was something you did. Why not start over today? Because God is able if you trust him. Thank you for joining us today. What a blessing to have you. Thank you to all of you joining us in chat. Join us next week. We will be meeting in Newark, Delaware next week at our normal location. God bless you and thank you. Send those letters. If you care to donate to what we do, hit the donate page on theninjapastor.com. Follow me at the Ninja Pastor on Twitter. God bless you. Join us next time for Sundays with Dr. Sean. And please follow this show and the Collision of Faith and Politics radio show during the week at www.blogtalkradio.com forward slash The Ninja Pastor. And follow Dr. Sean on Twitter at The Ninja Pastor and on Facebook at www.facebook.com forward slash God in Country Radio. And check out all the free messages, archive shows, and buy Dr. Sean's critically acclaimed book, Excellence Killed the Church, How Mediocrity is Destroying America, at www.drshawngreener.com. Join us during the week. And in the meantime, Dr. Sean will be fighting for you and for this great country. Thank you for joining us in this fight. <laughs>